Meet two guys that never played in the NHL. And if you saw them, you'd know why. It's time for the Half Hour Hockey Show, presented by New Edge Hockey Development Academy. Here are your hosts, Kevin Sylvester and Kevin Snow. Hey everybody, welcome to the Half Hour Hockey Show. I'm Kevin Sylvester. It's brought to you by New Edge Hockey Development Academy, Western New York's premier destination for elite hockey training, newedgehockey.com. Kevin Snow is unable to be here today. I know, how are we going to do a show without Snowy? Well, that's why I had to bring in somebody who's seen nearly everything with the Buffalo Sabres. The season is almost done and... uh, Thankfully, that's a, a laugh of relief, not uh, laughing at the team, because look at nobody, nobody likes seeing uh, the team perform poorly. Uh, just don't, right? I mean, it's part of the fabric of our community here. We love hockey in Western New York. Uh, we do not love seeing the Sabres lose, and this season was supposed to be different. So there's so many things to talk about with this season, and I'm going to talk about that with Bud Bailey, the longtime Buffalo news writer. He worked for the team back in the 80s. He now writes for buffalosportspage.com on the Sabres. We touch on everything. Here's my conversation with Bud Bailey. Well, Bud, it's great to have you on, and I I, I loved your uh, comment about uh, <laughs> someone wanted to nominate you for the Masterton for making every Sabres home game in the press box. Uh, this season well, covering yeah, the team. I'd like to thank the Academy for this honor. And I, <laughs> and I also made every game since October the previous year. I missed two in uh, the, the middle of October, so I'm on a streak here of probably 70 straight games or so, 70, 75 games. So that's uh, that may be cruel and unusual punishment, according to the Supreme Court. But uh, the games are usually fun, and the people are nice and all that, but uh, the hockey has not been winning hockey. Yeah, which is... Um... You know, when you go back to earlier this year and any discussion about the Sabres this season, has the 10-game win streak is always referenced. But that team is not the team. Uh, that was just this incredible moment. And I don't even want to say they've regressed to the mean, bud, because they've regressed below the mean, haven't they? Yeah. Um, let's talk about the, the winning streak first, Kevin. Uh I don't have the the stats right in front of me, but clearly it was like flipping a coin and getting heads ten straight times because they they were all close games except for I think one or two. Uh, there were shootouts and overtimes, and and they won every one of them. And and anybody that's watched uh, a uh, shootout or an overtime knows there's just so much chance. Puck takes a lucky bounce, and suddenly you have a two on zero break going the other way, or uh, the the Sabers last win. In the shootout, Ryan O'Reilly hits the crossbar, and the puck goes the other way by a fraction of an inch, and out in the Sabers win. If it goes in, maybe they're, you know, the, the Blues win the next shot. So they had that stretch, and everybody just got seemed to be excited in the town, and uh, that was tempered a little bit when they immediately lost five in a row. But you know, I think we all suspected that the Sabers wouldn't be ten ten wins in a row, good, but. You know, it's easy to get caught up in it, and things have kind of gone downhill. And uh, especially these last 24 games now, uh, it's just been awful. Three, 18, and three, I think, are the numbers for the last 24 games. And and I went back and and looked at uh, some some of the really bad teams over over the NHL's history, and and we're talking a, a rate of performance that matches. 
the, the original Washington Capitals and Kansas City, City Scouts there, and, and they had absolutely no talent, and, and I think they won eight and 12 games respectively or whatever the numbers are, but you get the idea. And These are some of the dregs of, of league history, and the Sabres are down there, and it's just, uh, you know, it's very discouraging to see this uh, after a after a full season when you think the guys have have played together a little bit after some good sized roster changes and here we are and they haven't gotten better they've gotten worse the second half has just been a a real disaster it it, it certainly has yeah and when uh, you know you point out the historical uh, numbers and all the columns at the on buffalosportspage.com or that you've written following games and, and about this team it's just uh it's mind blowing uh frankly that this team is this bad because when you look at the talent they should not be this bad however i'll point to goaltending bud and during that win streak and even though there some seven of them were in overtime or shootout the goaltending was great timely saves big saves the goaltending was playing way above what it has done in the goaltenders in Carter Hutton and Linus Olmark. And to me, I, I, I think goaltending is such a huge part of this team's downward slide. Not all of it, obviously, because chances, shots that they've been facing, but you've got a career backup that started as your starter and has played the most games in net for you, and then you've had a player in his first year in the NHL in net, I think that's a huge part and one that not a lot of people talk about. Yeah, I think you're right, Kevin. I think Hutton came in with with some really good statistical numbers but had never played a lot. And he's got more of a workload, and and he's been okay. Uh, He's been a little up and down, uh, especially he was was down kind of in the the middle of the season. He got off to a, a really good start. Allmark, I think, has been a disappointment. I think the, the Sabres were hoping that he'd, he'd certainly be a 1A and and maybe a 1 someday, if not this season. And uh, he's had uh, he's given up a, quite a few leaky goals, just you know, bad goals that you've got to stop at this level. And psychologically, every so often, it seems like they come at really bad times. You look and Allmark gets a piece of it, and, the, and then the camera shows the puck dribbling through his legs and, and crawling over the line. And I'm, that's happened a few times this season, and usually in losses. And, and uh, I think they were hoping that part of the game would be settled this year after they got rid of Johnson and Lehner last year. And uh, clearly it hasn't. I don't know if, if there's another move you make from here. I don't know whether it's probably too early to give up on Allmark, but. Uh, Clearly, that has been an issue throughout the season and, and a pretty good-sized one, especially in the second half, I should say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at save percentages for both. Uh, they're both, they're you know, .908 for Hutton, .904 for Olmark. .93 puts you in the top 10 in the NHL. And you may say, well, they're not far from that. No, that's a long way for NHL goaltenders. Yeah, there are a lot of bodies in between. Yes, absolutely. There's just a long way in between uh, those numbers. And I, you know, the goals against are over three, but I, I always look at save percentage. And uh, I've always mm-hmm. been told save percentage is the key stat with goaltenders when you when you look at that because you know so many factors go in goals against, but save percentage such a huge thing. Let's talk Me about too. yeah. Let's talk about skaters here, and then and then we'll get to coaching, which everybody listening is probably like, I want to hear Bud say Firehousey, but we'll we'll get to that <laughs> in, in a little bit. Uh, up front, 
they have talent. Uh, it, you know, it's it's they have high draft picks. They've uh, acquired players. There is talent on this roster. It's just puzzling um, how, how they've performed or have not performed together. What are your What are your thoughts on uh, just the the forward group uh, first and foremost, and how they perform this year? Um, I think that. Jason Bottrell had a, had a, a good idea to try to improve the depth on among the forwards on the roster. The problem was it really hasn't worked out well, and uh, you get beyond Eichel, Skinner, and Reinhardt in terms of production, and go down the line, and there's n- there's not that much there. There's not really uh three other guys that you can identify it with as the proverbial top six forwards um you can we can go through in a, a more of a case by case basis kevin but i mean uh middlestad has clearly got some talent but he has rarely shown me that he couldn't have he w- that he should have shouldn't have been better off in Rochester. Uh, right. Let me put it that way: that he should have started the season in Rochester and learned how to play the pro game and dominate a little. He just hasn't been a factor so often throughout this season, and you wonder if his his development is going to be stunted. Same with Tate Thompson, who uh, has a little more experience than than Casey and has came on and and really just hasn't been much of a factor. He showed some individual talent. He's a big, strong kid, but. Uh, he just hasn't produced that much, and and go right on down the line. Uh, Oposo obviously has not worked out as well as uh, the Sabers thought when they signed him as a free agent. Uh, Connor Sherry is okay, but uh, not somebody you'd you'd really uh, you know count on as a as a classic top six player. I mean, they've had Evan Rodriguez playing up, and and Evan is a nice player, and as, as someone put it, probably would be a really good 13th forward on a team, but, but he's limited offensively, and uh, you know, you hate, and, and he's really miscast, and it's just kind of a ripple effect. You get down beyond that, and there just aren't that many guys producing, and uh, you know, the, the Sabres hoped that Sabatka would be better uh, when he came over from the Blues in the O'Reilly trade, and that hasn't worked out at all, and 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 go right on down the list. It's just uh, there's not that much talent they needed to develop more up front. They've they've certainly got some guys coming up. Uh, Olafson has uh, impressed some people this last couple of weeks since he's been up from Rochester to the point where it's been like, well, couldn't he have been up sooner? Hmm. Nylander, uh, you're starting to wonder at this point how good he is going to be um, at the NHL level. He's uh, I, I was a little disappointed when he was sent to Rochester and he stayed there and uh, didn't only do that much down there. He's had a couple moments since he's been up the last couple of weeks, but uh, you know, overall he hasn't jumped out at, as at me as a guy who who should have been here in 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 December. So you just go on down the list and and there's obviously holes there and and they've got to fill them in the future if they want to get good. You know, you um, you're so right about Middlestat. And you know, in in Rochester, he should have been there. And on a a, a good, I see. How, <laughs> I'm trying to uh, I'm say this the right way. And you know, on a good team, he's not on a good team in the NHL. He doesn't come in as a rookie. Yeah, you and, break him in slowly and and uh, take it from there and give him a chance to thrive. Yes, yeah, and and that's to me that's part of the issue with this team, or not part of a big issue with this team. Is their top contributors? You look at 
three, well, actually four of the top five, and actually I'll say all uh, top five, although you know three of them are quality players in Eichel, Reinhardt, Skinner in the forward position. Those are your three leading scorers. And then mm-hmm. the two t- t- the two Rasmuses are next, four and five. Two defensemen are in your top five. It's okay to, I think, have one in your top five, but I have two defensemen in your top five in scoring. Um, th- th- that says a lot of things. As a matter of fact, all five of those players spent very little time in the AHL, very little time in the AHL. And it, the good teams, to me, um, yes, you have to have great talent, but the group comes up together. They learn how to be pros together through the American Hockey League uh, to, to sound old, pay their dues, <laughs> if you will. And this is a team that doesn't have their, – their top players haven't paid their dues. And then after them, you have guys like Casey Middlestad, who's learning on the fly how to play in the NHL, playing against men. That's a, certainly a challenge. And then you've got some middling players like Connor Sheary and then – You've got players that are well past their prime, and Pominville Oroposo are making a lot of money, and uh, and, and Gergensen's, uh, too. These are players that are, uh, again, uh, third and fourth line players playing second and third line roles. And to that point, Kevin, uh, Pominville is your fourth leading scorer with 15 goals. Right. And- Jason's, a, you know, a wonderful person, and uh, the, the Sabers are better for having him on the roster, certainly. But you don't want to count on him. He's thirty-something and uh, has obviously lost some of his skills. Um, again, a guy who's playing above where he should be. The Jack Eichel, statistically, you know, seventy-seven points right now, twenty-seven goals, fifty assists. It's, it's, you know, he, he could reach the thirty goal. Uh, mark here. Some say he should have more assists. Uh, you know, as a as a young captain uh, in his first year as captain, uh, there's a lot to carry here. And I think I I think losing is weighing on this kid a lot. This is a guy who's not used to losing, uh, at least until he made it to the NHL. And I just look <laughs> at the interview; he just doesn't seem to be handling it well to me. You never know about these guys because we because we see them in such difficult situations. You know, the only time you talk to them really is is in the in the, before a game or in, in my case uh, more regularly after a game. And uh, to grab somebody after they've lost their eighth game in a row or whatever is a, is a difficult situation. But uh, yeah, he's fairly young and we're in and learning and all that. What is he? Twenty two or so? And uh, it's it's a lot. I don't I don't know how much the captaincy wears on that thing hockey kind of makes a big deal of that as opposed to other sports and uh i don't i would guess it probably the responsibility weighs on people in different ways depending on their personality type but um i think he's been fine it's just a matter of you know get him some help more yes. than anything else well and I, and I think the Berglin um retirement <laughs> if you will um i i thought that if <laughs> well you know they they made Departure. that yeah they made they made that trade uh, of Ryan O'Reilly and you know they, they there was a hockey aspect to it there's other aspects depending upon whom you believe but um, the hockey aspect to it was okay we're getting a quality NHL center in return in Berglund along with Sabotka and that on the ice obviously didn't work out for Berglund and or and Sabotka either and I think that really. Uh, created a giant hole for this team. Yeah, it set them back because, I, I, as I said, I think the plan was if you're going to move O'Reilly, get a package of NHL players that can that fill in. I know the 
conventional wisdom is that if you go make five for one trades, the, the one usually turns out better than the other five combined. And that's clearly what's happened here because O'Reilly has thrived in St. Louis and helping to get them from last place overall into the playoffs. So uh, it's a good idea, but it just didn't work out. And, and now you go, what now? And, and that's going to be the question that is going to be on everybody's minds in the off season. Defensively, I mean, Darlene looks like he, you know, it, he is a special player, is going to be a special player. Uh, he's young, the first overall pick, but, uh, you know, I like what I've seen overall out of him. The other Rasmus, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's just a glaring stat that's just a, a minus 43. That's just mind-blowing, and I, I just think it's because our opinion of him was so much higher, and I'm, 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 I think he's a good player. I think we were led to believe he was a great player and going to be a great player because he played so many minutes on – uh, the tank teams, and he was like the only guy they were willing to put out there. And I just, I, 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 I think he's hit it. I think he's good, but I just don't think he's great. Yeah, I think he's one of those guys, Kevin, that has been asked to do more than he's capable of. And uh, in terms of minutes, I don't, I don't know what the average number is going to wind up this year. Uh, but he was going 27 minutes a game, and. Uh, in previous years, and and that's a lot of action, and and I think the idea was to get a guy like Darlene and and now Montour and and spread out the little the minutes a little bit, and and not ask him to do so much because if you're not a good team uh, and you're one of the best defensemen, you're going to be out there playing against the other team's best forwards, and you know frankly Austin Matthews is going to make anyone look bad, uh, and. Ristolainen probably suffered a little bit from being, you know, the best defenseman on a bad team, and and he's he's struggled that over the last couple of years, and he just seems a little beaten down in that sense, uh, having gone out and 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 seen other teams score. Uh, you know, n nobody's perfect in, in this business, but uh, guys like Matthews and McDavid will will make anybody look bad in a hurry, and I think that's been part of his problem. Yeah, I I agree with that. He has played a ton of minutes, and again, another player who who, who didn't uh, earn his stripes, if you will, in the e AHL. And uh, many will tell you it takes defensemen more time to develop. And, you know, he was thrown right into the mix. And I, I look at Arista line and much like I look at Tyler Myers, although I think Myers is uh, more talented and a better player. But, you know, after that great, when he's rookie of the year, you know, an incredible season, uh, people are talking Norris Trophy. And that's, mm -hmm. not, that's not Tyler Myers. And he gets traded in a big trade, and he goes to Winnipeg and is having a, a, a very nice career. He's a good defenseman. He's just not one of the best yeah. in the league. He hasn't been Zedno Chara, which I think was the goal when he was drafted. Yes. But he's been pretty solid, and, and, and that's fine. Yeah, you know? and Ristolainen is 24 years old. I think <laughs> that's, you know, he's been around so long, we feel like he's 30. He's only 24 years old, which is pretty incredible. But they do need they do need to um, bolster up the blue line some more and not give their goaltenders some more help, don't they? Yeah, uh, and, and look at the defense. There are there are guys there that once you get beyond the the top three or four, it's kind of this massive defensemen who are almost interchangeable, and they really need somebody like Pilot or Borgen or Pilot and and Borgen to step up uh, next year and start 
claiming regular minutes and, and carving out a space for themselves. I mean, Bogosian, I, I didn't see him at all last year to speak of, and, and he's come on a bit when he's played well. But guys like Tennyson, Nelson, Scandella, um, go down through the list. No, Hunwick, very few guys have, have really jumped out that you'd say, well, he's got to be in the lineup. And, and they've got a lot of those guys, and they really need to – get to the basic six who are clearly head and shoulders above the rest and and take it from there. McCabe's played a little better this year, and uh, uh, I, I like some of his maturity, and uh, especially off the ice from the comments I've heard, but uh, no, no one's going to send them to the All-Star game anytime soon. So it's, uh, they've got they got a mass of guys, but a few guys have got to step up if the, if the team wants to get better. Well, telling sign to me is at the trade deadline. You know, they didn't uh, move uh, this defenseman. People weren't calling that. That, that. that always tells me a sign. Um, when your defensemen aren't rumored in trades, uh, aside from fans wanting uh, Ristolainen traded because of you know, and, and Montour has been a good pickup. Uh, yes. I, I can't complain too much about that. I think the interesting part is they made the deadline, and, and sometimes a deal like that shows the rest of the roster that the front office is trying to make the team better. And I'd hate to think of where the – obviously, you'd hate to think where the Sabres would be without Montour. Obviously, the, their record wouldn't be any worse because it couldn't be any worse. But – uh, I think he's a pretty good piece going forward, and and it was, yeah, it's at the cost of a, a late first round draft choice. But you know, I was all for it. I think it's almost surprising that the, the team didn't react better. You know, they, apparently the problems were such that it uh, it didn't solve anything. The the uh, the mindset just continued uh, even with help on the way. All right, so it, let's get to uh, coaching, and you know, Jack Eichel did say. Um, I think after Sunday's loss, that look at this, we're not a Phil Housley's not out there playing. Whether this is Saturday or Sunday; they all blend together. Yeah, right, don't they? <laughs> um, he said, "Look, it's not it's not the coach. This is on us as players." Which I I thought's an appropriate comment. Um, mm-hmm. But man, there are things coaches can do, and I, you know, I, I I'm sure Phil's thought of everything, tr- trying to try everything here, and uh, the results aren't they're on the ice, although. W- the day we're speaking about this, they played a quality game against Nashville, and you could argue they, they could have won that game and perhaps should have uh, some calls went their way, but they didn't. Um, what's your opinion of Phil Housley in his second year as coach? Um, clearly something has gone wrong here. Uh, you don't play like the original Kansas City scouts for a third of the season without – someone paying the price and usually that's the coach and I don't know how many bullets he has in the holster anymore I'm sure he's tried everything he knows to turn things around and nothing has worked for whatever reason and you know Kevin I'm of the opinion that most coaches know what they're doing unless they take a personal approach that's just so distant and, and argumentative and dictatorial that they turn the players off and they go away. Uh, I, I think in, in terms of hockey knowledge, there aren't that many secrets out there, and everybody puts in tons of work. And uh, I can't believe it would matter that much. I think there's, there's something else going on here, and, and I don't know if it dates back to the tank or not or just – Everybody comes in here and, and kind of gets caught up in the in the low expectations game and and just can't rise above it. But 
something has gone off the tracks here. And, and I wrote the other day that when you go a third of your season with a record of 3-18-3, and three, you can do anything you want in terms of changes and justify it because you know every every aspect of the organization right now is in turmoil and kind of stinks. I mean, if you want to get rid of the general manager, you know, you could make a case for that. If you want to trade anybody in the roster, and I guess Darlene would be the exception, but maybe anyone else, you know, and even Eichel, who knows? I'd hate to think of what officer or the offer you'd get for him, but in order to trade him, but. You know that's that's such a bad record for such a long time that any sort of rebuilding it strikes me as possible. And you know, I thought Housley at the beginning of the season, you know, he was getting talked for coach of the year, and you know, they fell down a little bit, and there were certain people out there that didn't like his 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 uh, coaching style and strategies. And, and I said, well, the the team is on its way to being. 20 to 25 points better than it was last year, and heading in the right direction. You know, why would you make a move just for the make of, just for the sake of making a move? But now, uh, I, I think every option's on the state table, and maybe this is where you miss having a uh, team president that's attuned to hockey. Uh, you know, nothing against Kim Bakula, but she's more of the ownership type, and, uh, and you know, is she going to make a call like that? It's not an easy decision and you kind of like having that extra layer of management uh, present in the organization just to make a decision like this. You know, if you, if you start over again, you know, players are going to be coming and going and uh, that's not going to be an easy process too. And that's not going to be an easy fix. So uh, I don't know. I think they're in a really bad spot overall. And yeah, I expect Phil Housley to be sacrificed because, uh, someone's going to pay the price for for three eighteen and three, but uh, whether that's a cure, uh, I don't know. I don't personally. I don't think Joe Quenville is going to be walking through the door anytime soon. And uh, every sports team goes through this. Where is the next great coach coming from? And uh, no matter who you pick, uh, you're going to be gambling. The the Bill Belichicks are very rare indeed. Well, you're uh, boy. What a great assessment, Bud. Um... The team needs a leader, period, and one that has credibility as a hockey leader. Uh, and, and that's not meant to put down Jason Bottrell, but it's his first time as a general manager. Um, they don't they, – right? I mean, they don't have a, a team president that has the credibility in the hockey world, and they need that right now for – uh, play, the draft picks, players, whatever, you're completely right for everybody in the organization, frankly. Um, the, the mm-hmm. turmoil's been on and off the ice. Uh, it's been, mm-hmm. it, it's been, it, it, you know, I, I worked for the franchise um, when they, they <laughs> went through the tank years, and it was challenging, but uh, you know, at least there was a leader who had credibility. At, that was Darcy. Um, who, mm-hmm. you know, start, Hey, you know, he, he's built a winner. Okay. This is uh, the route that the ownership wants to go, uh, to try to get one of these star players here. Um, and you know, Darcy was let go, but you had Darcy and Lindy, they had credibility with the fans, uh, everybody who worked there and they need something like that. Now they just do. And, and, and you got to earn it. Right. Well, and you got to earn it, but that leader would know, okay, uh, it could at least come out and say, like, look, it, yeah, I've been through this before. This is not the coach, or this uh, will fire the coach because something is amiss here. Right now, 
it, you look at the results in, on the ice and listening to the fans, and, and frankly, to me, that's why Housley's going to get canned, um, is the fans. Uh, they're customers. Yeah, what are they going to uh, sell? Right. They have to. Can, can you sell tickets with Housley coming back and you don't win the lottery? To, I think they were lucky to win it last year and get Darlene here because that probably kept a few hundred people on the season ticket list. Right. But now, uh, can you imagine trying to sell tickets for this team next year? Well, and, and then, you know, people are – some fans are pointing at Jack Eichel. Uh, this guy's a coach killer. And, well, no. I mean, as you pointed out earlier in this conversation, uh, after you get past Eichel, <laughs> uh, you know, there isn't much there. And the, yeah. one of the one of the players that's there is a free agent. You've got to wonder, does he want to stick around now? And Jeff Skinner. Yeah, I've, uh, I've wondered that myself. I know Skinner likes being close to home in Ontario, and, and I'm sure he likes playing with Jack Eichel and, he, he's had a career year this year, even though it isn't much of, as much of a career year as we thought it would be seven weeks ago, as he said. Two goals uh, in the last uh, 23 games, I think it is. Uh, but, you know, Kevin, I think if this, this raises the larger point. is I'm, I'm, I'm fond of saying teams lose for a reason, and I'm not sure during the Pagula ownership years what has gone off the track so drastically, but Clearly, something has, and it's it's really hard unless you're on the inside to know that just what has gone wrong here. But uh, they've gotten dysfunctional, and nobody seems to be ha- having a good handle on what the cure is. And they've tried different things and brought people in and out, and it just hasn't worked. And you just there's something underlying going on now. Just as a for instance, when I worked for the Sabres late 80s, early 90s, I used to say the Sabres as uh, an organization had a commitment to mediocrity. As long as they sold most of the tickets and people made the playoffs and people gen- people kept coming, uh, the front office was, was generally happy. But when they had a chance to get Peter Stastny in 1990 and maybe go over the top and, and have a good chance at winning the cup that year, it was vetoed by ownership. And... They just weren't willing to make that last step. And something along those lines must be going on with the Sabres because this has been you know, seven years or whatever of, of four-play or whatever, depending on how you count. And the playoffs are obviously a long streak and second longest in the league right now. And I'm, I just can't put a finger on what's going on, but clearly something has gone wrong and they've got to figure out what it is and fix it. Well, that, that you're right. Well, the interesting thing is this, and actually, if I were if I were Terry and Kimpagula, I'd be throwing my hands up like, "What the hell do I have to do?" <laughs> right? They've tried. Yeah. They've tried. They've tried it uh, both ways. They've tried. Okay, um, you know, uh, there's some generational players. Um, everybody in the world, and I'm not just saying it wasn't just their own. Uh, scouts telling them this. This was the entire hockey world uh, saying, look, there's some generational players and, you know, we've got aging veterans. We should move them and, um, you know, the tank, if you will. Uh, it, it, mm-hmm. Let's do that. And then after that happened, you know, th- th- they swung for the fences too. A- and they've spent money and, and s- swung big trades to try to win that way. And that didn't work. So... I, I don't know. It's, it's like you've got to you've got to get something. Stick with the plan, and you know maybe it is letting Botterill work his plan here and try to build up to the AHL. The Amherst did qualify for the playoffs. That's a good sign. 
um, for the future, and that's the way Detroit's always done it all those years. Uh, they got Hall of Fame players, and I know uh, the Hall of Fame coach in Bowman, and then um, the cups that they've had afterwards. But they always had a great AHL team that they built up through well, their system. Yeah, I, I, uh, I will say it, it's nice to have talent coming through the system to replace it, but. Just the fact that the the, the Amherst have been better this year than they have been for a while. I'm I'm there are a few guys that are, that down there are contributing at that level that are in prospects. It's kind of like baseball when they sign uh, veteran free agents just to have a more competitive team that, but clearly aren't going anywhere. And it, um, I I just wonder about cause and effect there. You know, I'm I'm, I'm I, I guess I'm saying don't get too excited because the Amherst are better. Sure. No, you're right about that. But the the young players that can go and experience some playoffs, like Tage Thompson, who stayed up here way too long. Nothing but good. Right? Yeah, nothing but good from that. Well, Bud, you got one yeah. more home game to go uh, <laughs> to, to make it, um, and two more in the season, and then uh, we'll see how everything unfolds. And then the, the Bison starts, so it's a very seamless transition between seasons. There you go. Well, we, we appreciate your time here. Uh, Kevin Snow sends his uh, apologies that he couldn't make it to today's show uh, to be with you, but we appreciate your time. My, my pleasure, guys. Call any time. Well, great to connect with Bud, and frankly, we could have gone over an hour or more uh, on this team this year, breaking down player by player, but you've watched the games too, and uh, perhaps you agree with uh, some of our assessments and Bud's assessments, um, and perhaps you disagree with some of those things. What's what's clear to me is there's going to be change uh, w- with the Sabers, uh, as, as Bud pointed out there at the end, hasn't hasn't worked with Housley, and I also thought it was very um, Bud was very correct in this. Like there aren't any secrets in the National Hockey League. There aren't any magic systems in the National Hockey League. So yes, Housley knows what he's doing, but it's how, how you manage a team, and something's clearly gone awry here uh, down the last two months, and I, I think that's put the nail in the coffin. And, you know, at this point, the fan base doesn't want to see Housley back as coach. The fan base wants to see winning, and sometimes change equals winning. It hasn't uh, recently here, but it's got to turn around at some point, and it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting offseason for the Sabers, and I feel like we've say, said that <laughs> every year for the last uh, few years. But ultimately, everybody, fans, uh, the media, would like to see the team win. Um, it's more fun to cover a winning team. The stories are better when there's a winning team. Well, that's going to do it for the Half Hour Hockey Show. Uh, I want to thank New Edge Hockey Development Academy, newedgehockey.com, and show partner 26 shirts, uh, approaching 600 grand in money that's been given out to uh, charities and people in the 26shirts.com. We'll have the snowman uh, back with us next time for Kevin Snow, again, who wasn't here. I'm Kevin Sylvester. Thanks for listening to the Half Hour Hockey Show. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Half Hour Hockey Show. Presented by New Edge Hockey Development Academy. Don't miss an episode by subscribing on iTunes and Google Play. The show can also be found on Stitcher and the TuneIn Radio app. Got a guest suggestion or show topic? Follow us on Twitter at HH underscore Hockey Show or shoot the guys an email at halfhourhockeyshow at gmail.com.